My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. When the Pharisees with some scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they observed that some of his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, and in fact all Jews, do not eat without carefully washing their hands, keeping the tradition of their elders. And coming from the marketplace, they do not eat without purifying themselves. And there are many other things that they have traditionally observed, the purification of cups and jugs and kettles and beds. So the Pharisees and scribes questioned him, why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the elders, but instead eat a meal with unclean hands? He responded, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines human precepts. You disregard God's commandment, but cling to human tradition. He summoned the crowd again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that enters one from outside can defile that person. But the things that come out from within are what defile. From within people, from their hearts, come evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from within and they defy. The Gospel of the Lord. Back in 1979, 257 people left New Zealand for a sightseeing flight to Antarctica. And unknown to the pilots at the time, there was a a two-degree error in their flight coordinates. Most people hearing that would think it's close enough. But that two-degree error, in fact, placed the aircraft 28 miles to the east of what was the planned route. And as the pilots approached what they thought was their intended destination to give the sightseers a better look at the beautiful landscapes, they descended to a lower altitude. And although these pilots had years of experience, they had never made this particular flight before, so they had no way of knowing that the incorrect coordinates had placed them directly in the path of Mount Erebus, an active volcano that rises from the frozen landscape to a height of more than 12,000 feet. And sadly, the plane crashed into the side of the volcano, killing everyone on board. It's hard to imagine how this tragedy of such epic proportions was brought on by such a minor error, a matter of only a few degrees. The reality is the effect of being off just a few degrees has a major impact the longer you travel, and it becomes more and more obvious. People far smarter than I explain that if you're going somewhere and you're off course by just one degree, After one foot, you'll miss your target by two-tenths of an inch. 
but by a mile, you'd be off 92.2 feet. One degree starts making a big difference. After traveling from San Francisco to LA, you'll be off by six miles. If you were to go from San Francisco to Washington, D.C., you'd end up in Baltimore, which is 43 miles away, and so on and so on. All that just because you're off by a single degree. It's easy for us, whenever we encounter the Pharisees in the Gospels, to kind of dismiss them as the enemy, especially for us being on Team Jesus. We know that they're constantly battling and debating with him. They're questioning him in accusatory tones and looking to undermine him every time they can. Even with this scene we just heard in the gospel passage where they're supposedly upset with these ritual cleansings and traditions that were not being followed, there's no reason they couldn't have asked Jesus about that in private. That they lodged their accusations in such a public way is to humiliate those who didn't do what was expected and to try to embarrass and imply that it was Jesus' fault that he either allowed for such irreverence or to discredit him and make a claim like his teaching was false. The irony is that they're insulting the Son of God by claiming he doesn't care about his own law. But how did they get to that point? The Pharisees were a group of Jews who distinguished themselves by the claim that they were experts in God's law and were strict adherents in following it. How could they have been so oblivious and blind to God incarnate, standing and speaking right in front of them in Jesus? It all started with just a matter of a few degrees. God had entrusted his law, his commandments, to his chosen people, the Jews, as a way of establishing a relationship with them. We heard that in the first reading today, how through his servant Moses, God explains the importance of the law to the people, telling him, observe it carefully so that you may live. God had led his people out of slavery, through the wilderness, to the promised land. He wanted his people to flourish as individuals and as a nation. And he was giving them these laws and these commands, this direction, not to limit them and ruin their fun, but ultimately for their well-being, for their, their happiness, for their health. Knowing that when they flourish, they would stand out from every other nation on earth, to, to the, especially to the peoples who had followed false gods and made them focus simply on their human wants and desires. The nations and the peoples would look to the Jews as this great nation of wise and intelligent people simply by their following the law. Just reading through the entirety of Scripture, we find people struggled with obedience then, just as we do now. Those human impulses to want to do our own thing, our own way, creeps up again and again and again. Every chapter, every verse tempts us to believe why we're exempt. Or there's a loophole where we can claim that in terms of following God's law, we're close enough not realizing we are moving a few degrees that would lead us to going more and more fast and loose with things. Or the other extreme, people can get so overly scrupulous over external minimal things and move a few degrees in the other direction and don't realize that their observance of the law had displaced God and what was most central to him, establishing a loving relationship with us. And so in one sense, you can appreciate the Pharisee's desire to get it right, 
centuries after Moses had first led the people and uttered these words, the Jews had struggled and failed to remain faithful to the Lord. It had resulted in a loss of the promised land. It resulted in exile. They saw the destruction of the most sacred place on earth, the temple, and the loss of the Ark of the Covenant. Things were so bad that they knew that only God himself would ever be able to set things right again. And the prophets had promised them that will happen. God would send the Messiah who would save them. And they waited and waited and waited, thinking that it was their disobedience to the law that had gotten them into this predicament. The Pharisees went to the other extreme, thinking perfect adherence would bring about the Messiah's coming. They didn't realize that they had shifted their focus just a few degrees, because now the law wasn't about changing their hearts and getting perfectly aligned with God and being in relationship of love with him and his people, it became something they had to do and make sure everyone else was doing it perfectly, at least on the surface. So now these wise customs like washing hands before every meal, a helpful prescription like cleaning cups and jugs and kettles and beds, which were good things for the health of the people, I have to remind my college students, they still are, by the way. It's a good idea to wash your your sheets every week and stuff. But it becomes a whole part of this litany of other rules and ordinances that weren't bad on their own, but they had lost sight of the reason God had given them a law in the first place. God wants humanity to deal with what's unclean within the heart of each and every one of us, within the brokenness of humanity that we have desires that can lead to selfishness and self-centeredness, that we have thoughts that can delude us into thinking we're gods ourselves, that these desires and thoughts can lead to bad behaviors, like the litany of examples that Jesus gives us in today's gospel. Today's scriptures seem perfectly directed for those of us who find ourselves here today. Because the fact that we're here is a great thing. It demonstrates we have a desire to be in relationship with God. That we recognize we didn't just summon ourselves into existence. And that with so much division and anger in the world around us, there's no example of human beings flourishing in peace and love by following a mere mortal, a fellow human being. Even the noblest of earthly human leaders is imperfect and in Usually they're only noteworthy because they're striving to follow God and his law themselves. Which means every one of us needs to do a self-evaluation to see if, or rather, how many degrees off we are from following the path and the journey to God. For the Pharisees, had they allowed Jesus to alter their course, they could have taken their knowledge of scripture, they could have taken that fierce drive and passion and turned it inward and been overwhelmed by how he was fulfilling all their deepest hopes and dreams in real time. For most of us, the bigger issue we're facing in our day and time isn't an obsession with externals. Instead, we're being surrounded by a great number of voices that delude us into believing God's law is not important if it exists at all, or that it's up for constant interpretation, renegotiation, that Jesus came to relax everybody and everything, that all that matters is that we're good people, whatever that means, since good is being treated as this 
floating, flexible definition. Jesus happily wants to set us back on course, no matter how many degrees off we might be, into experiencing fullness of life now and with him for all eternity. He offers us the gift of reconciliation where if we're mindful of things that have come from our heart that have defiled us, we're one confession away from being absolved and forgiven. He offers us his body and blood in the Eucharist to nourish us with that deep desire within that wants to follow him, but needs his grace and his strength to persevere in doing that. The question left for us is, will we be humble enough to recognize we are off course and we need his correction?